0: Amen. Good morning, church. Kids, you are dismissed to go to your classes up through fifth grade. Uh, You can go ahead and head down there. Um, For the rest of you, if you uh, want to continue in worship with me by turning in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to be kind of all over the place this morning, actually, so I'm going to have the verses on the screen. Normally, I don't bail you out like that, but I am giving to you this morning, so, but still, if you want to follow along, uh, so we're going to be starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, before we begin, uh, I just have a couple of announcements I want to make uh, regarding some things in our church. Um, first of all, I want to announce a transition in our treasurer position uh, so for the last two years, uh, Jen House has been faithfully and selflessly serving as our treasurer. Uh, she's done an incredible job with a role that is not easy, especially when I keep losing receipts, and she has to keep tracking uh, them down from me. But other, there's a lot more that's difficult to it, too, not just that. Um, and uh, she really stepped in at a time um, where we were uh, in real need for uh, somebody to take that position, and we were praying and praying, and she was the Lord's answer um, to uh, that prayer and so she let us know a couple months ago that uh, due to just a lot of other ways that she's serving and things that are going on in her life she needed to step down from that role and so she has officially stepped out of that role but and so I just want to take this time and thank Jen um, for uh, her service uh, to our church in that way yeah you can stop clapping. Unfortunately, she's not here right now this morning, so it's really bad timing. Uh, but maybe if you, if you have her phone number, maybe let's all send her a text message right now if you have it and just say thank you for serving our church. I think they're visiting uh, their son in Evansville at church, so let's blow up her phone in the middle of the church service right now and make her number wonder what in the world's going on. Um, but, and so uh, as she announced that she was stepping down, we didn't know what we're go- we were going to do. She wasn't just quitting right away, but uh, she was, gave us time to figure it out. But uh, we, So we prayed about it, and we didn't have to pray very long because about an hour after she told us that she was stepping down, uh, Rhonda McCorkle uh, talked to Pastor Jerry and said she'd be interested in pursuing, uh, learning more about what that would be like. And uh, so after uh, discussions with her and uh, uh, we uh, have hired, it's a part-time, just a reminder, it's a part-time position. So we have officially now hired Rhonda McCorkle as our new treasurer. And so let's thank Rhonda for <laughs> stepping in. She is here this morning, so, she, so you can clap for her. Rhonda, maybe if you want to, you might know her uh, better as grandma. She serves in uh, grandma's house, serving the kids breakfast every morning. And so thank you for stepping into this role, uh, Rhonda. And uh, that leads to our next uh, announcement. And uh, this is good news, um, but it's an announcement I never um, thought uh, we'd be making. But um, this morning, I'm announcing that someone has given a large gift to our church of uh, Um, $450,000. So, praise the Lord for that. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, We we were not... uh, Praying for that. We weren't seeking large gifts or large donors. Um, it was somebody who uh, had been blessed and wanted to bless uh, our church by uh, that gift. And so um, it's really, it might take, I, it took me a while to kind of process it. So you might be like, whoa, like that's, uh, that's where I was for a while. Um, it's uh, amazing news. And God has been so good and so faithful to our church. And so we feel very blessed by this. Um, we, uh, we d- we're announcing it this morning. Um, we kind of went back and forth on what to do, and we didn't just want to you know, slap it on the back of the bulletin that you know, giving was $500,000 randomly in the month of September and not say why that was. And so we're um, not putting on the back of the bulletin, but we just wanted to announce it um, and say praise the Lord for that. And, uh, but also I did want to kind of take some time, as I've been processing and praying over the last couple of weeks that I've found out about this, um, take some time to um, share a few thoughts that I've had about it. Um, because the truth is, is, as good of news as this is, if we aren't careful, it could actually turn into bad news really fast. I was talking to Pastor Craig, and uh, he was a part of a church uh, a long time ago that had an even larger gift that was given, and he said it ended up uh, just kind of destroying the church. And so uh, we just we, that's not gonna happen to us at Rock Prairie, but we do need to just be intentional about how we think about this, and uh, make sure that this is a blessing. And so we just spent eight months in the Gospels this year uh, looking at the teachings of Jesus, and what we found was a surprisingly large amount of teachings that Jesus gave about money, and uh, the general uh, general principle behind almost all those teachings was uh, more money doesn't always equal better life or better ministry or Uh, and even more fruitfulness, and so we just want to be careful, so even as we celebrate God's provision and faithfulness to our church this morning, I want to share kind of four thoughts that I've had. This is a pre, this is, you're getting two-for-one sermons this morning, so um, uh, so aren't you lucky about that, so, um, but here's four thoughts that I've had. Here's the first, is that uh, God didn't give us this gift so that for all of us that we could all just become less generous, right, and this kind of goes without saying, but why does God ask us to give of our Finances? Is it because God needs the money? Uh, No, that is not why we're called to give. He asks us to give because it's a litmus test of what's in our hearts. And so, as people, if we truly, like we just sang about, if we've been given everything in Christ, raised to life with Christ our Savior, uh, we are called to give generously in return. And so, if we're unwilling to be generous with the things that God has given us, it's a symptom of a deeper issue in our hearts. So I promise you that God's not thinking like, oh good, Rock Prairie got this gift, so now they can all cool it on their tithing and giving for a while. See what I'm saying? That's not the, that's not the purpose of giving. God has everything already. And so giving is about what's in our hearts. Um, I heard somebody say uh, this week that in every organization they've been a part of, if a large gift was given... Uh, general giving immediately went down from from everybody else and I just have to say I just so strongly believe in our church that I just don't think that that is going to happen uh, we our church Bucks every trend financially pretty much. If you've been around here long enough, I love talking to Mark Toll about this about the idea that this building that we're sitting in right now, the capital campaign happened uh, 2008, right, right in the middle of the financial crisis, and then uh, we paid off this building in 2020, right, in the middle of COVID. And God has just always been so faithful to us, and we've always just things that don't make sense, and so uh, maybe. People would from the outside look and say, oh, if, a, if a large gift comes, that means the rest of giving's going down. And I just believe in our church enough to say that's not what, what the way we think about giving. And maybe this is even an opportunity for, for us to be reminded, yeah, we are called to tithe what God has given to us. And we're called to give generously. And maybe our, the rest of our giving, giving would even go up. And that would be amazing. Uh, but, yeah, so that's just the first, the first point. I promise God's not thinking, oh, good, the rest of them can kind of chill with the giving now. Because it's not about money. God has it all already, and it's about our hearts. And here's the second thing. Uh, This one was real convicting to me, but God didn't give us this gift so that we could become less dependent on him, less dependent on him. The first point had to do with giving specifically, and this point has to do with our attitude generally, and maybe it's just only directed right to me, but I don't think God is thinking like, oh, I'm so glad Rock Prairie got this gift. Now they don't have to rely on me as much because they have this, uh, this gift. And I have to admit that one of my first thoughts when I heard about it was thank, that, pretty much that. like, thank goodness. Like now like, this kind of financial thing that we have to always think about, like now we don't have to worry about that for a long time. And um, I'm ashamed of that reaction a little bit because that shows my heart's inclination to just like wanting to be comfortable. You know what I mean? And I don't want to be comfortable with being comfortable. Amen? Like I, maybe God is calling us to do something crazy with this money Uh, I hope that he does. I hope that he calls us to something here in this next season that makes us more dependent on him to move and work and act on our behalf and not less. Amen? So let's kind of fight that tendency, and that starts in my heart, but like to pursue just being comfortable above everything else, and let's spur- let this spur us on to be even more desperate for the Lord to work in us and through us, and let's see what places this gift might lead us and what doors this might open for us that actually make us more desperate for the Lord to work rather than just being able to be more comfortable. Amen? Okay. Okay. Here's the third thing, as again goes without saying, but God didn't give us this gift so that we would change our mission. Uh, We are called to make Christ known from our neighbors to the nations. And we are called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our neighbors right here in this community and in the neighborhoods that you live in. And to the ends of the earth, and specifically thinking about those who have never had the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ before. We're called to make Jesus known. And that mission has been around, by the way, from the founding of Rock Prairie Church over 150 years ago, and uh, it is unchanging because it's the mission given to us by God through his word. And I just want to share, take this time too, to share a few ways that I've seen this mission in action in our church this week on Wednesday after blast uh, somebody came up to Liz our children's director and told her that since uh, since coming to blast their son has asked for the, his own Bible and uh, he's been reading it every single night because he's just so excited that he can read the Word of God and how cool is that I mean that's that is amazing that's what it's all about and I was sitting uh, I, I was kind of thinking through some of these things on Thursday night uh, at so- Owens soccer practice and sitting in my car kind of typing some things out and I looked out on the fields and uh I just noticed there's these all these coaches working with kids and that coach is from Rock Prairie that coach is from Rock Prairie that guy's from Rock Prairie that coach is from and they're like I don't know five or six coaches are just guys that are pouring into the kids in our community and showing love to those kids where they might not be shown love in their homes and uh and it's, that's what it's all about. And then I was just texting with someone yesterday, uh, and uh, they shared with me that uh, they were, I think, on a walk, and they walked by somebody's truck, and they saw them just kind of sitting in their truck, and just the Lord just kind of gave them an overwhelming sense of, like, you need to go talk to them. And they said that's something I would normally ignore, but I didn't this time. And I went, and I, uh, I shared the gospel with them, and I told them that I'd be praying for them. And, like, that's what our church is all about. Amen? Amen. Like, these are what the things that God is calling us to pursue. And so as exciting as this gift is, and as the doors that it might open for us, stories like that are the kind of fruit that we are after as a church. And so to me, this is a a lot of money that has been given, but to Jesus, it's nothing compared to one lost sheep being found and we're called to find those lost sheep. And that's what we're going to continue to be all about. And so we're going to pray, again, that God would use this gift to help us further that mission, but we're not changing that mission. And, uh, and it's exciting to me to think about that. So and here's the fourth thing, uh, in that uh, God didn't give us this gift so that we would give anyone but him the glory. And uh, this is just to say, I just want to end with this because I'm sure if probably all of you are thinking, I wonder who it was, right? And uh, and that's very natural to think that. But I'm just going to ask you to please don't do that. Like let's just put those thoughts away. And the the person who asked to give the gift or who gave the gift asked to remain anonymous. And it doesn't good do any good to speculate. And the point is that when you use your gifts to serve God's kingdom. God gets the glory, and whether it's in giving your finances, whether it's uh, the people who are sitting with babies right now in the nursery, like whatever it is, we do it so that God gets the glory, and, uh, and so let's just agree, we're not going to speculate or anything like that. We're going to be thankful for it, and we're going to pray, and we're going to uh, give all the glory to God, and that's what the person who gave it wants anyway. So that's that. That's my kind of pre-sermon before the sermon. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, fired up here. I mean, this is exciting. This, I, uh, this is the fun part, which is that we would, I just want to ask you to pray. Like that's what, when we announced this at the deacons um, last Wednesday, uh, we said, we're not going to talk about what we're going to do with it. We're not going to, we're just going to Thank God and pray and ask him to just give wisdom and direction. And so that is the way that we're moving forward is, uh, is God, just uh, help us to see what you want us to do now and uh because this again it's not something that we thought was going to happen and uh and so we just i just want to now enlist a larger prayer army and say let's be praying and let's see what cool things god does and having just been in guatemala and you guys are going to hear next week from our guatemala team of just the amazing things that god is doing in that organization and the doors that he's opening and we're praying that god will continue to do those kinds of things right here at rock prairie so i'm fired up uh, but so please pray, and, uh, and we're just remember, again, we're, God didn't give us this, so we could be less generous or less dependent on Him, or change our mission, or give anyone but Him the glory. And so now, like here we are, and we're just going to pray, and we're going to see what God does, and knowing our God, I think He's uh, going to continue to do <laughs> some really cool things. Amen? All right. Let's do that now. Let's pray, and then we will jump into the actual sermon for this morning. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, God, um, you are so good and you are unchanging in your goodness. And from eternity past, you have been good. And in eternity future, you will be good. And um, we are a people who were created very good in your image. And yet, because of sin, we have each one of us chosen to eat from the tree that says, I want to do life my way. I want to gain knowledge and wisdom my own way. I want to be my own God. And, um, and so what you did is you saw that it was good to send your son to be a sacrifice for sin so that our hearts could be changed and brought from death to life. And now you are, you are uh, in the middle of this process right now, God, of bringing heaven to earth. And you're doing it through the church. You're doing it through the saints through believers of Jesus Christ who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are called to be heralds, to be proclaimers, to say that Jesus is one day going to come back and make all things right. And so you need to submit your life to him. You need to submit yourself to him. You need to repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do, God. That's who we're called to be. And so we pray and we thank you for just the incredible ways that we are seeing you work here in this body Right now, and we just ask that that would continue, Lord. And this gift that we weren't expecting, we pray that you would use that um, so that we can um, have fuel on the fire of that mission, Lord. But we also know that you don't need it, you don't need anything, God. So we just pray help us to be faithful with what you give us, help us to have eyes open, and help us to not be afraid. If you're calling us to something um, that might scare us a little bit, God, we just ask that uh, we wouldn't be afraid. Um, but that um, we would move forward in obedience, giving you the glory, God. And as we move into this time of looking to your word to see what does it say about what happens after we die, Lord, I just pray, again, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord, how you want this to change the way we think and live even right now. We praise you, God. You are so good. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is uh, week two of the sermon series called Heaven, Hell, and Life After Life After Death. Uh, Marcy and I had a real Abbott and Costello moment when I was trying to explain what this he- sermon series was called. It's like, yeah, Life After Death. No, Life After Life After Death. Okay, so Heaven, Hell, Life After Death. After death, no, heaven, hell, and life, after life, after death. It's a bit com- confusing, I will admit, um, but we're, this is week two. If you missed week one, I, I would highly encourage you to go back and watch it only because it was really a, uh, meant to be an introduction for the things that we're going to talk about now, and so uh, it will help if you have questions after this morning, going back and listen to that one will help hopefully answer some of those questions or it'll make you even more confused. I mean, who am I kidding? But anyways, I still think you should go back and listen to it. Um, This phrase, life after life after death, and if you want to put that title slide up on the screen, uh, that phrase life after life after death is one uh, that I stole from N.T. Wright, and this, the idea behind it is um, what we talked about Last week, So, life after death is something that actually happens in kind of two stages, biblically, if you will. There's a temporary place that we go to, which we often refer to as heaven, even though the Bible maybe doesn't necessarily refer to it as that. That's what we refer to it as, is this right after you die, we go to this temporary place before Jesus comes back. But then Jesus will come back, and that's when we will enter our final eternal home in the new heavens and the new earth with our resurrection bodies. And so this idea is we have life after death, which the Bible doesn't really talk about, and then we have life after life after death, which the Bible says a whole lot about And uh, what happens in, I think, Christian circles is when we think about what happens when we die, we think only of this temporary state in, quote unquote, heaven, and hardly at all about the eternal state when Jesus returns. But the the problem is that's the exact opposite of what happens in the Bible. And um, so all that to say, this morning, we're going to look at basically every passage that talks about what happens right after we die and we're going to try to figure out all that we can figure out. And I say basically every passage because even that, I keep thinking this is going to be easier than it is, but even that, like there are certain passages that maybe are talking about that and maybe they're talking about something completely different and we don't really know. So these are the ones that are just kind of undisputedly so about what happens right after we die and so here's the question it's uh, what you see what do we know about the intermediate heaven and the first thing we know is that it's better than here because Jesus is there okay so when I talk about the intermediate heaven I've heard I'm reading these two main books that I shared last week one is heaven by Randy Alcorn one is surprised by hope by N.T. Wright Randy Alcorn calls this place the present heaven and N.T. Wright calls this place uh, the intermediate state, and I didn't really like either of those, so I smushed them together, so I'm calling it the intermediate heaven, the place where we go uh, right, before, right after we die before Jesus comes back, and what do we know? The first thing, it's better than here because Jesus is there. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 1 with me. It says this, uh, and it should be on your screen as well, for we know that if Our earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. Now he's using a metaphor here, calling our current bodies a tent and our resurrected bodies a building. Uh, and so is a, is that, do we have that verse to put on the screen? I don't know if we have it or not. I might have messed it up, but um, we'll, we'll find out in a second. But I'll keep going. So we have uh, uh, this metaphor. We're talking about the tent of our current bodies and the building of our resurrected bodies. And so what he's saying is if our tent is destroyed, meaning if you die in your current form, you have a new building coming to you, which is your resurrected body. Now, I hate camping, so this metaphor really speaks to me. Like, I want to get out of the tent, and I want to be in a building. I love this metaphor. I can really, Some of you like t- camp- camping, so you're going to have to think of a different one. But the point is that a tent is not, uh, not a place to live Forever, uh, a building is. And so um, the key thing to remember is we don't receive that building of our resurrected body after we die. We receive the, our resurrected bodies when Jesus comes back. So Paul is contrasting these two things. He's talking about the body we have now, which is temporary, and the body that we will have forever. And so what he's saying is, I don't have to worry so much if someone puts this old tent to death because I've got a building coming. Uh, And then he says this in verse 8, In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. We would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Meaning, even that intermediate state before we receive our resurrection body is better than our current state. That's what he's saying. So now he's kind of, again, it's, it's hard to follow exactly what he's doing, but he's talking about our, our current body, our resurrected body. But he's saying we would prefer even to be away from the body and to be at home with the Lord. So why is it better? Uh, the, the, why is the intermediate heaven better than now? It's because we're at home with the Lord. We have a relationship with the Lord right now, but it's not the same as it will be. And I was trying really hard to think of kind of an analogy about this this week. And uh, I think the best analogy, it's not perfect, but like, remember like in the beginning of COVID the, when we were all like trying to keep in contact with loved ones and there were text message and phone calls and, and Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. And it's like that relationship was there, but man, we just wanted to be with them. See what I'm saying? And, uh, and it's not a perfect analogy, but it, it's close enough. Like, there's, we have relationship with God. We have full access to Him. But, man, there's this nearness to the Lord, like this finality of that, like, relationship that you will experience in the intermediate heaven that goes way beyond uh, anything you can imagine. And so we, like, we long for that. It's, it's better. This is what Paul says in Philippians 1 21 to 24. It says, For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now if I live on in the flesh, that means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Now this is, um, this is a crazy passage of Scripture. I mean, Paul says." <laughs> He's contemplating, like, is it better for me to be alive or dead, is what he's saying. And, uh, and if you came up to me and asked me that question, I would probably say I would, alive is, is what I would prefer. Um, but this is how Paul thinks of it. He's like, well, if I'm dead, that means I'm with Jesus, which is way better. However, y'all need me for a little bit longer. And so I guess I will stick around for a bit because that's, it's you need me to stay here. And um, I think this is a good challenge for us, right? How should we think about this intermediate heaven? It's better there, but God still has work for me here. And you notice what Paul didn't say. Paul wasn't like, it's better to be with Jesus, but I got like this vacation vacation coming up and uh you know uh Purdue's supposed to have a good basketball team this year so I kind of want to see if they win the national championship like I don't want to miss that and and you know I'd like to have grandkids someday and I don't want to miss out so yeah in the long run it's going to be better but I still got things here that you know I, I, I don't want to miss out on. that's not that's not how he's thinking about it it's not how he's thinking about his life and uh, man I want to be with Jesus so desperately but he's not finished with me here and so I have to remain here because there's work that he has for me to do. There's people who still don't know. There's places who have never heard. And I'm a herald of the gospel. And so I'm gonna stick around and I'm gonna continue to do the work that he's called me to until he calls me home and I can be with, depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And this should give us a tremendous peace and confidence and assurance because this is a very personal topic we talked about last week all of us have loved ones who have passed away and some very recently and so uh, it's a question of like well what's their experience like like how do i think about it and again to hear that the bible doesn't say much is a, a little bit unsettling Um, And when we think about for our own selves, uh, well, what's that going to be like? The Bible doesn't really tell us, and it's unsettling. But even though it doesn't give us much detail, it gives us the one thing that is far better than any other detail could give us, which is that Jesus is there, and it's better, so you don't have to worry about it. I think that's what God's telling us. You don't have to worry about it, (laughs) because Jesus is there. And so we can rest in that. The Bible doesn't tell me much about that intermediate heaven, but I know this, it's way better than here, because I'm finally at home with the Lord. It's not a long-distance relationship, even though I have full access to Him. I'm near Him in a way that I can't even, my mind can't even comprehend and describe. And praise the Lord for that, amen? This is good news. Here's a second thing we can know, uh, which is that it's a place of rest and peace and joy. And even this, I'm kind of stretching a little bit with these three words, but I think, I think you can go with me on it. Um, for this, we have to take a journey to Luke chapter 23, so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, and this is, uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross uh, between two criminals uh, who are also um, being put to death, and one of the criminals is mocking Jesus, and this is how the other responds. Uh, uh, Probably heard this before, a very famous passage of scripture, uh, starting in verse 40. Again, it'll be on your screen. But the other answered, rebuking him Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he says this, verse 42 Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. Now this is something that we've heard before. And we don't think about how mind-boggling this is. Somehow G- this criminal knows Jesus. And confesses him as the Messiah. And th- this, this again boggles the mind. Why? Because Jesus is dying next to him. Raising from the dead and ruling the world forever and ever was not a thing that happened. Do you see how much faith it takes to say to the man on the cross next to you, Remember me when you come into your kingdom? He's dying. And he looks at him and he says that. And Jesus, again, being put to death and still seeing the heart of Jesus, says this. "'Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise.'" Jesus recognizes, again, one of the most stunning demonstrations of faith in all of Scripture. And he says, "'Today you will be with me in paradise.'" And again, the fact that this is one of the main passages that we have to tell us about what happens right after we die is, um, shows how little we have, but it doesn't mean, it, again, it doesn't tell us nothing. Jesus is telling him, that this is a place of joy and rest and peace because he calls it paradise, right? He doesn't say today you'll be with me in the waiting room or uh, purgatory, right? He says today you'll be with me in paradise. And this word is a a biblically significant word. Uh, Through Hebrew to Greek, this is the same word that refers to the garden of Eden. So the word Eden in Hebrew is paradise. And so he's saying that today you'll be with me in paradise. So what do we get from that? Well, it's paradise, okay? So that's what we get. So uh, what's, uh, and Jesus is there. He says, you'll be with me. So another reminder. And so, uh, although he was going to leave for a little bit three days later, Jesus didn't mention that. um, But uh, paradise, Eden, is a place of rest, it's a place of peace, and it's a place of joy. And what are we going to do there? What's life going to be like for him? He didn't take the time to tell him as he's hanging there on the cross. But uh, if Jesus calls it paradise, I'm okay with that, right? I can rest in in that. Uh, And again, church, that is basically where the details of the intermediate heaven stop. We have one more passage that we're going to go to, but the next passage is going to actually show us um, that... uh, we can't really say much more about it. Uh, so that brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you want to flip back, I should have told you to keep your... This is what good pastors do. They say, keep your finger in 2 Corinthians and turn to... But I don't think of that. So anyways, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a bonkers passage, once again. And uh, Paul is talking about boasting... And he's talking about how we shouldn't boast. This is the passage right before he um, is talking. uh, He's going to talk about the thorn in his flesh. And um, so he tells this story about he got a guy he knows, a guy I know, he says. Uh, And the story in context, he's clearly talking about himself. So Paul is talking about something that happened to him, but saying it in like the third person of, there's a person I know that this happened to. And he's not, he doesn't really hide it. But listen, look what he just offhand throws out there about what happened to him. Uh, Verse two, I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, was caught up into paradise, there's that same word, and heard inexpressible words which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, again, which is himself, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. So again, even, you ha- you're, you're starting to see what's happening here. Even in these passages that do tell us something, they're never about that. There's always another point that's being made, but we can kind of glean a little bit of information here. So the, the point that Paul's making is about boasting, and then boasting in weaknesses, and he talks about the thorn in his flesh. Three times, i pled with the Lord, and uh, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient to you, my power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I would boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. That's what he's talking about. But we have this little, like, wait a second, Paul, you went to heaven, <laughs> and you didn't. You didn't say anything until now, and you're like, "Okay, um, what was it like?" And uh, listen to how he describes it. He's like, "Maybe I had a body, maybe I didn't. I don't know." He says that twice. Whether it was in the body, it was out of the body, I don't know. And then he says, uh, "I heard some stuff, but it wasn't like human language. Like humans, like aren't able to like." even say what I heard so I can't even tell you what anyone said and then he starts talking about something else like come on man give us a little more detail and I think that's the point that Paul's experience of the intermediate heaven even being there proves what we've been saying all along even if you went there for a bit you wouldn't really be able to describe it it's beyond our ability to communicate with words and this is where I might get a little bit controversial and step on some toes, and I, I hope not, so I hope you hear my heart here. But like, I don't know, 10 years or so, it became really popular for people to go to heaven and come back and write a book about it. And, um, and those books would sell a lot of money, and, uh, or sell a lot, and you'd make a lot of money from that. And uh, I'm not... I'm not calling them, like, it's, they're all frauds, they're all liars, they're all clear. Like, I'm not saying that people didn't have profound experiences that they truly believe are real or maybe were real. I don't, I don't know. But, but Paul's experience being caught up into the third heaven was, I don't know if I had a body and I heard some stuff and I can't even say what I heard. And that's what we have in, in God's word. And so I would say, because of my trust in the authority of Scripture, I don't think Paul's like, or God is like, come on, Paul, why didn't you give him some more detail? Like, now I've got to bring some other people up here and tell them to tell everyone what it's like, because you did a bad job. Like, we, we have what Paul, uh, what, what God wants us to have. Uh, so I would be skeptical, personally, of that, of that genre of literature, of people giving a lot more detail than our Bible gives us. And that, so that said, So I would, I just, my pastorally, like, I would be skeptical of it. Now, saying that, I want to be clear, God can use anything to speak to someone's heart. And I know some of you have had, like, profound spiritual experiences reading these books, and that's phenomenal. And God, God can and does use all sorts of things to bring us to Uh, knowledge of him and I have some uh, a certain book in particular that I'm thinking about I read in high school and if I hadn't read that book at that moment in my life I don't think I would still be a believer and yet I would not at this point not recommend it to anyone so I think there's things that we can gain things from and learn things from and and just come to know to love God more that maybe we wouldn't like say these are this is how you should learn about this does that make sense Uh, you can, God can, I firmly believe you could, uh, you can open a fortune cookie and read something and God could like speak to your heart right there. And yet we wouldn't tell, like our discipleship strategy isn't to send people to main moon. Like you see, do you see what I'm, what I'm saying? Like God can and does use anything and so I don't if if God has spoken to you through something like that that's great but what I'm saying here is I study scripture here today and I read the account that Paul gives us of being caught up into the third heaven and how little that he can he can tell us about it like I need to at least be content with with that because what God is showing us again is you can trust me with life after death and so if we want to boil this whole sermon down to one point it's basically that why did it take you so long to get there pastor mike it's okay here we are you can trust me god says with your life after death it's paradise it's better i'm there it happens right away and um and it's a place of peace and joy and everything else we just say okay god um, I wish I knew more. I wish I knew more of what my grandma's experience is right now. Like, I wish I knew more of what I was going to be in store for. And it's probably because we, our minds just can't even comprehend it that we don't have it. But what you want us to focus on is we can trust you with this earthly tent, because the building is coming when Jesus makes all things right, and you've given us work to do while we're still in the tent, so we're going to continue to seek after him, we're going to continue to seek to know him more, to love him more, to do the things that he's called us to do, and one day trusting him, if we die before Jesus comes back, boy, I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be awesome. And then when Jesus comes back, it's going to be even better than that. And we're going to rule and reign in the new heavens and the new earth and our new resurrected bodies. And we'll talk more about all these things uh, later on. But that's, I think, where God wants us to rest. And so we need to, as God's servants, be able to humbly say, okay, God, I can, I can rest in that. If you're telling me I can trust you, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to focus on the work that you have me to. And I'm going to long for that day. When I get to depart from this tent and be with you, because it's fall, far better. So we're going to get to work. If you're here this morning, um, your shift isn't over yet. Uh, it's not your time to punch out. Uh, so we're going to keep at it, and we're going to trust Jesus with the rest. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we, we do praise you. Um, Because we can trust you. Oh, and God, how many people in this world um, don't have that kind of sure hope. Whether they're trusting in idols made from human hands or philosophies and ideas that come from human minds. Rather than the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, lived a perfect life, was put to death, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And one day we know every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to your glory, God our Father. We long for that day, but we still have work to do. And so we pray. Open doors for us to do ministry. Open our eyes to the needs of those around us, to the darkness and lostness, and the fact that we are the light because Jesus is the light. So we shine the light that is in Christ to a world in need. Light shines into the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We get so afraid. We have such doubts about what kind of things that you can do in us and through us and in our lives. And yet you want us to shine into this dark world. And then one day, God, when our time is up, whenever that is, we take our last breath We fully know that we will be with Jesus. So give us a greater longing for that day more and more, and may it spur us on to do the work you have for us here. In the meantime, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's respond in worship.
1: father everlasting the all-creating one god almighty through your holy spirit conceiving christ the son jesus our savior I believe in christ the son and i believe in the holy spirit our god is three in one i believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for i believe in the name of jesus Our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you, descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light, forever seated high. I believe in God, our Father. Christ the Son, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we. Christ is Lord. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. Oh, I believe. the name of Jesus,
0: amen, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's our purpose, and that's our hope. Amen? What a joy to worship the Lord together this morning. Reminder uh, that next week starts the class cycle and foundation, so make sure you sign up for your class. And uh, if there's any way that I can be praying for you, I'll be up here for just a few moments after the service. I'd love to meet with you and pray with you. I love you, Rock Prairie. You're
1: dismissed.